thank you so much for joining me today. First podcast ever. I think TikTok 60-second videos were clearly just a little too limiting. Anyway, today I'm going to discuss the ongoing issue of women still living in fear in 2021, the vaccine rollout, equity in sports reporting, and the associated disparity in wages that continues to cause between the genders, the trust issues between men and women, and a brief description of the new sticky COVID variant. So let's get into it. If you catch SNL this past weekend, try to do so in whatever way you can, either through YouTube or streaming. Bowen Yang had a hilarious bit with Colin Jost in Weekend Update, actually a snit. He was playing the iceberg that took down the Titanic. It was maybe the best thing in that show since Eddie Murphy hosted last year. I'm so done with their game show reruns. Anyway, catch it if you can. You won't be sorry. Last month, women were made aware yet again that yes, they are an endangered species. Sarah Everard, the 33-year-old marketing executive who went missing and turned up murdered in South London, has launched the hackles of women, again against the seemingly casual misogyny of the male of the species. And of course, we got the regular hosers popping up in social media to say, well, not all men. Of course we know. Everyone knows it's not all men. But this dog whistle was exactly like saying to black people that instead of saying black lives matter, that people should be allowed to say all lives matter. No, effie no. Let me tell you about a 40-something female acquaintance of mine who is making her way in the business world. She's become increasingly uncomfortable because of a man who has in the past referred business to her and is now, because he's comfortable with her, making comments to her by text that he's disappointed that she's not wearing sexier tops when she comes to visit him in his office. Or he makes comments about how his wife doesn't want sex as often as she used to. Now, my friend always makes a point of asking about his wife, how she's doing, how the kids are, because she's met them. She doesn't want to screw up a business connection. Now, you can't just say she should cut this goof out of her business life because she and other women like her can't cut out 50% of the population. That's just completely unrealistic. And she and other women have to be careful. Because we all know guys, let's be real here, are fragile. If she shuts him down too hard, he has choices. And they're not good. One, he cuts her out of future business. Two, he lies to other guys about fictional sexual services that she has not given him just to get back at her. Or three, he badmouths her to other business associates. You know, she's sort of a bitch to deal with, so why don't you work with Michael instead on that deal? Just because 50% of the population, or near enough, will slide in there with sexual innuendo upon occasion or more often in the hopes that some young thing will fall into the opening with their lips parted in anticipation. I mean, no, just no. 
the power dynamic or perceived power dynamic is still out there in madmen territory from the 1960s. Here's another male-female power scenario from this past week. Nothing sexual, but certainly a lovely display of power from, you know, the manly gender. A woman I know was going to work early in the morning and she happened to run a yellow light. Not good, okay, but not illegal. Anyhow, she gets to work, parks, and a man pulls up behind her and crooks his finger at her from his car to beckon her over. Now, because he was wearing a golf hat, she thought she recognized him, so she went over to his car. Turns out he had seen her go through the yellow light and had stopped him himself at the red and then proceeded to catch up with her and follow her so he could berate her for going through the yellow light without stopping. She was a little taken back, but she calmly apologized to him and told him she had to go to work, and then she took off. But she was shook, because now he had a route to work. He had followed her for about seven minutes from that light. Seven minutes. Now think about it. There's not a chance in hell that this man, who was about 55 years old, was going to take the time out of his morning at 7.30 in the morning to follow another man, whether he be 30 years old or 50 years old or 65 years old, after seeing another man go through a yellow light to crook his little finger at him, to bring him over to his car and berate him for his misdemeanor. Can you imagine? This was a power play, pure and simple. Why did he think he could get away with it? Pretty simple. Because a woman was not likely to clock him. I ran this scenario past a number of males and asked if it was credible that any other male was likely to follow them for several blocks let alone seven minutes, and then pull up after them after they parked, call them over and proceed them to scold them for their driving. Holy hell, of course, they couldn't even think of such a scene. What a power play. No man would ever do this to another man. But to a woman? Absolutely in their wheelhouse. Absolutely considered within their rights. Oh my God, my, my eyeballs cannot roll back in my head far enough. You've run a yellow light. Your brothers run a yellow light. Your father, your mother, your neighbor, everyone you know has run that light and has had that light turn on them. Tell me again that a man would follow another man for seven minutes or two minutes just to give them a what for about a yellow light. Men, not all men, let's just test that assumption right here and now. Let's do a little visualization exercise, shall we? Close your eyes. Well, go ahead if you're not driving a car. I'm going to list a number of nefarious roles that one could have, and you can picture in your head whether a male or a female pops up. Here goes. 
burglar, serial killer, kidnapper, ringleader, sleazy mechanic, pedophile, gangster, handsy person on transit, radicalized person, road rager, stalker, internet troll, cult leader, rapist. Tell me I'm wrong, but I'm not. And that's my rant today. The vaccine rollout hasn't been without its hiccups. In Ontario, where I live, it's been a true shit show that the Premier is trying to blame the Prime Minister for. But really, it's been about a lack of planning. And of course, in the States, a few months ago, it was hilarious to see the GOP leadership after hemming and hawing about whether rushed vaccines were safe, to see their leadership racing to be the first ones to roll up their sleeves to beat their constituents to the trough. But oh my, there are enough people populating the rabbit holes, sending out their snuff muffins about their dangers of the chips being deposited in our noses every time we get swabbed for testing, let alone the chip in the vaccine itself. I'm trying to figure out the end game for the chips and here's what I've come up with. You're welcome in advance. Bill Gates, I figure, must be looking to follow us around until he gets us alone. And then he kidnaps us. And then he harvests our organs for sale. Or, I don't know, I got nothing. I mean, <laughs> my God, seriously. I mean, who gives a shit about Jimmy Smith's in Doghouse, Utah. Nobody is that important. Nobody. And realistically, Jimmy Smith probably already has a smartphone. So everybody who really cares, like Google and Amazon and Facebook and Billy Gates, if he really cares anymore, already knows that Jimmy is interested in buying a mattress and he likes to watch old episodes of Jay Leno's Garage. But people will believe whatever they see pushed out to them from YouTube by their nutter friends. Can't stop that, I guess. On to the next. I'm really concerned that there will never be equity for women in sports pay and really believe that it's linked to the dearth of media coverage in women's sports. Take the shameful treatment of the women's basketball players in this past month's NCAA where the women themselves outed the organizers for providing them with a single rack of free weights when the men had a fully equipped weight room. That outing, by the way, was on social media where it seems all embarrassing of public and private officials must go now to get any publicity at all. The media wasn't of any help until social media kicked in. In this case, magically overnight, a new weight room was set up. It's interesting that the Washington Post recently was decrying the lack of equal sports reporting for women's sports. But it's rare even in that publication that there's more than one item about women's sports to every nine men's items. Megan Rapinoe, the 35-year-old 
soccer phenom who plays professionally for O.L. Reign of the National Women's Soccer League, is an Olympic gold medalist and two-time World Cup champion. She has been an outspoken critic of the U.S. Soccer Federation's treatment of the women's national team and part of the gender discrimination lawsuit filed against the USSF in 2019. While the lawsuit covered unequal pay, it also covered matters such as game venues, travel accommodations, and staffing. Now, here's what's laughable. A federal judge dismissed the accusations of unequal pay last year. Now, I'd like to mention here that, yes, the men do make more money than the women. And by the way, once again, the men's team didn't qualify for the Olympics. Let that just sink in. The women's soccer team has had consistent success for years, winning four World Cup and four Olympic championships and outperformed the men's, the U.S. men's national team. But they make considerably less money. So while lazy critics will say that there isn't enough interest in women's sports, it's tough to get that interest when the media won't invest some interest in it as well. Men's sports leagues have had a 60 or 70 years head start and have benefited from billions in taxpayer subsidies. So here's a nice analogy, and I'm not, I can't claim to be the real brains behind this. If you plant two gardens, but you only tend, fertilize, and water one, but you expect both to produce the same yield, then you need to give your head a shake. The media needs to invest 50% of its coverage in women's sports every day, every broadcast, every newsprint. Give them the time, the coverage, and the respect. It's long overdue. Then, In 60 or 70 years, let's see where we are. I see on social media that men have trust issues. Poor little boo-boos. You know what their trust issues are? That women wear makeup and have fake boobs and they do Botox. (laughs) I just wanted to let the little boo-boos know that women have trust issues too. Women have trust issues because men try to kill them. You may be unhappy with that, but I'm not wrong. Viruses are always mutating and taking on new forms. And that's why even for the regular annual flu and the flu shot, it was a new version of the flu shot each year. And the coronavirus has thousands of variants that have already been identified. Luckily, only a few have been found to be highly transmissible, which we've been well informed about. The UK variant, the South African variant, and the Brazil variant. Personally, I call these three variants sticky, just because we've all been cautioned to be more careful if they've been found to be in our hoods. Wearing masks, washing our hands, and maintaining social distance being much more important. There are also other concerns, of course, with variants in general. The main one being if we can't get enough people vaccinated before the Genghis Khan variant shows up 
then yikes for us. So countries are trying to reach that critical number of vaccinated population before Genghis Khan shows up. What you may or may not know is that there are a number of interesting variants showing up already just in the U.S. The New York variant showed up in November of last year and, no, and now makes up about half of that city's new infections. It has also shown up in about 14 other states and, like the three already mentioned, is more transmissible than the previous versions. It has some resistance to existing vaccines, although not as bad as the South African variant. Here's a fun one. It's the Eek variant, spelled exactly like it sounds. Eek! Uh, it's been found in the States since May of last year. The Eek variant usually pairs with one of the three main variants that I've already talked about. And when it does, it helps that the virus evade detection, which is sort of scary. And it makes neutralization by the human immune system less efficient. Uh, luckily, it has been found that vaccines do dramatically lower the chance of severe illness or death with this variant. And finally, there is the Denmark-California mutation, which was detected in March of 2020. And it was found in California this past winter. It now makes up more than half of the infections in 44 of the state's 58 counties. Scientists say that this mutation enhances the virus's ability to bind the human receptor cells, making it more transmissible. So again, more sticky. So again, the social distancing, wearing a mask and washing of hands becomes even more important. Uh, it is unknown whether this variant is resistant to vaccines. You know, nobody likes lockdowns. That's a fact. But viruses don't mutate unless they replicate. And we sure don't want COVID-19 to continue to replicate until it finally produces a Genghis Khan of a mutation that we cannot defeat. You know I'm not wrong. Thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate more than you can know. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at stillnotwrong at gmail.com. I'll read everything you send to me. I hope you hit subscribe on this podcast and that you'll be back next week. 